I hate poetry. And I love poetry. You know, we started this podcast because Dylan was illiterate. Yes. Dylan reads stuff good now. <laughs> We have a very special guest for this episode. Hello. We have Alison Malley. Thank you guys so much for having me. Have you listened to an episode before? Do you know what's coming, Alison? Are you nervous? <laughs> I have. No, I'm excited. I love the banter. This is going to be a very fun episode then. So our, our first poem that we're looking at today is called The Thought Fox um, by Ted Hughes. He was poet laureate for a long time uh, in the UK and sort of the 80s and 90s. Uh, he was he knew and was married to Sylvia Plath for a while. Uh, and so this is his poem, The Thought Fox. So I like the name already. It's yeah. quite enticing, isn't it? It is. The Thought Fox. Um, was he a silver fox, Charlie? Um, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say so, <laughs> but um, okay. maybe other people may have different tastes. Uh, <laughs> okay, so here we go. The Thought Fox by Ted Hughes. I imagine this midnight moment's forest. Something else is alive, beside the clock's loneliness, and this blank page where my fingers move. Through the window, I see no star. Something more near, though deeper within darkness, is entering the loneliness. Cold, delicately as the dark snow, a fox's nose touches twig, leaf, Two eyes serve a movement that now, and again, now, and now, and now, sets neat prints into the snow, between trees, and warily a lame shadow lags by stump, and in hollow of a body that is bold to come. Across clearings an eye, a widening, deepening greenness, brilliantly concentrated, coming out its own business, till... With a sudden, sharp, hot stink of fox, it enters the dark hole of the head. The window is starless, still. The clock ticks. The page is printed. That was a deep poem. What are your thoughts on this, Alison? Initial thoughts? Well, first of all, your reading was lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Not everyone can do a poem justice in their reading, and that was very good. Big up, Charlie. <laughs> I <you>. really enjoyed <laughs> that poem, mm. although I tend mm. to like darker poetry. So what do you think, Dylan? Oh, funny on me. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I, should, <laughs> I should think of something to come up with now. Um, yeah, no, I love I love anything that, uh, you know, as we've started this podcast, we'll be doing a lot of sort of nature-themed poetry. Mm. And I kind of like it. I like um, comparing them to animals and nature and that kind of thing. But uh, I, I kind of don't really have an idea what this is about yet. I think we need to deep dive, deep, deep, deep dive into it and <laughs> go line by line. Yes, we shall. <laughs> and see and see what goes on. But like, yeah, no, I like I like the idea of the fox because, um, mm. yeah, foxes are timid. They sort of watch from afar. There might be some really interesting themes of that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think the title, um, for me, like the title really helps interpret this poem. Um, like it's sort of connecting the words like thought and fox. I imagine this midnight moment's forest. Something else is alive beside the clock's loneliness and this blank page where my fingers move. I really like that they're describing the midnight as a per like a its own moment mm. in a forest. That's like yeah. Usually a forest, they, you can personify a forest pretty easily, right? Yeah. But personifying a time. 
That's crazy, mm. right? That stanza in and of itself could be a poem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like binging a TV series kind of poem, isn't it? Like it's all, you can stop it right here. Yeah, I really <laughs> like that idea. We still don't, we haven't been introduced yet to the fox yet, have we? So no. it is kind of very vague. It is. What I love about it is it has like, it talks about the forest mm. in the first two lines and then it instantly like cuts to this almost office space where there's a clock. Yeah. There's a blank page where someone is typing. Um, mm. So struggling with writer's block sometime in the late evening hours. Yeah, I was I was hoping you'd pick that up. I uh, <laughs> I was like maybe maybe the the writer will pick that up. That's awesome. Through the window I see no star. Something more near, though deeper within darkness, is entering the loneliness. Oh mm. yeah. Well, we kind of got an idea that it's going to be a fox, right? Like yeah. with the saying something else is alive. If it didn't have a title, it'd be a bit more like, oh, what is it? It'd be a bit more nefarious if we didn't know it was a fox, yes. maybe. Yes. Absolutely. It's like sort of building this this mystery of not knowing. And I wonder how many times like when we're creative or like I, I know for me, I sit down with a guitar to write a song and I'm like, what 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 am I gonna write? I have no idea yet. Mm. It's yeah. it's a mystery to me. That fear yeah. of the blank page, man, is brutal. Yeah, mm. yeah, it is, right? It it feels like and you sometimes you're not quite sure like how you did it when you've done it before. You're like, how did I how did I get to this? <laughs> The next step. Once you've finished something, it's funny how starting something else, which is often how we mm. feel in poetry, because it's not a whole book we're writing. We're writing one mm. piece at a time. So when you finish something to move on to the next thing, because you're starting over, you often feel like, have I written anything before? <laughs> have yeah. I accomplished this before somehow and I don't remember doing it? Yeah, definitely. It's like imposter syndrome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also the idea of midnight, it being zero, 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 like that kind of you're out of time, maybe ah. it's late. I um I've I've had that. Do you know what? I've been so bad where I've timed myself to write something and that's probably the worst thing you can do um, why do you do that I know I'm just giving bad advice here I, don't know. <laughs> I think when you when you do a comedy stand-up set you time yourself because you want to know how long that segment is um, which is quite a natural thing to do because you need you know um, some people have stopwatches I had a friend who was a comedian who used to bring in like a massive clock on stage with him and he'd put in you know he'd spend like two minutes putting in how long it is for the set and if you ran out of time even if the punchline hadn't been said he would stop the joke halfway through and that was kind of the funny thing it is ridiculous <laughs> That's it's like anti-comedy but cold delicately as the dark snow a fox's nose touches twig, leaf. Two eyes serve a moment that now, and again now, and now, and now. Do you want me to keep going? Maybe that will... I, I, my, my wife has told me a little bit about this poem, so I'm quite excited to see if you, you'll tw- twig on. Oh no, there's a right answer, Alison. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> um, so, uh, sets neat prints into the snow, between trees... And warily, a lame shadow lags by stump and in hollow of a body that is bold to come. Oh, mm. well, now I feel like this is a pop quiz. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know it feels like it's, it feels like the pressure of midnight now. Mm-hmm. It really does feel that way. Can you give us a hint, Charlie, of anything, please? Um, <laughs> so it's this is uh, what I love about this poem is what it's doing is it's connecting the fox, the movements of the fox with the creative right. process. And like, and sometimes some of the words, so things like prints, uh, you know, 
and a leaf like a, you can have a leaf like a leaf in a book like a like a page neatly printing into the snow like the idea of you know when you write something really neat mm-hmm. you're writing it slowly because you don't know what you're gonna say uh, you, you know you know that kind of thing like when you write rough it means you're in a hurry and you're trying to just get it down now that you remember it yeah. and as a creative you always get notes you're like i need to remember this whereas when you're writing something really neat it's kind of like mm-hmm. i don't know you know, what, you know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And also the word print is repeated again at the end of the poem, right? It is, yeah. Ooh. The page is printed. Yeah. So it's finished. Yeah. Anything else we're missing, Charlie? <laughs> so, l- 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 I mean, like, it, there's quite a lot of ambiguity. So when it says two eyes serve a movement, whose, eye, yeah. whose eyes are they? Is it the poet that's analysing a fox? I don't know. It's. <laughs> I really have okay. no idea. So... If if you, you can imagine like the fox out at midnight, sort of looking around, like his yeah. eyes are moving, sort of making sure there's no danger. You've also sure. got then the uh, poet who's at like a typewriter, um, sort of yeah. or a computer, tapping away on the keyboard, and that's a lot of the eyes going across the screen as they type. Right, um, and then the and the, what I really thought was really clever uh, that the you know that now and again now and now and now and it's like mm. the typing. And also yes. the paw prints in the snow, like yeah, that repetitive motion. Mm. So, That's really clever. so. I really like that. So then, when she when he says um, sets neat prints into the snow, you have that mm. image of like the snow being white paper, um, mm. and it's like the prints going on it. Charlie, I've got to be honest with you. It feels like you have had more time to analyze this <laughs> yeah. than Dylan and I, and I feel like that's unfair. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's, and he's used his wife. That's like <laughs> double whammy. <laughs> oh, sorry. I really love um, the whole thing of a body that is bold to come. Mm. Um, so, like, you know, a body of work. And it, it, like, it sometimes does, I know with my creativity, Maybe you, you might feel similar, Alison, of like, sometimes it just like arrives, right? It just sort of like, you feel the inspiration and it just, it, it, it appears. Yeah, I do feel that often. Um, and then like we were saying earlier, you often wonder how did I do that? Because it is, mm. it appears out of nowhere, um, almost as if it was just meant to come to you. Mm. And um, mm. I, I see that in this this poem. I like the idea of, noting that the work will be bold when it arrives um you know without knowing what it will be yeah i like that definitely it is different isn't it that when you manually create something i'm not a manual person as you probably tell (laughs) (laughs) but when you when you you know when you've when you've set up a few drawers or whatever and you followed the instructions stressed you out and you've gone right there it is it's done there's a different feeling of creativity because when you don't when you've done something manually, you've done the instructions, you've done everything, you stressed over it, and it's done. But with creativity, you you don't have the instructions mm. and you don't know how it became. Like I watched things from years ago, and I'm like, oh, some of it was actually quite good. Where did I get that from? Because you just don't know at that time when you get that inspiration. Mm. Yeah, it definitely sometimes feels like you're looking at a different person. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I found absolutely. That. Or a fox. Or a, or a fox, exactly. <laughs> or a fox. <laughs> oh, gosh. Across clearings, an eye, a widening, deepening greenness, brilliantly concentrated, coming out in its own business, till, with a sudden sharp, hot stink of fox, it enters the dark hole of the head. The window is starless still. The clock ticks. The page is printed. Tis the dark hole of the head a full stop then? Yes, tis enters the dark hole of the head. 
Mm, I like that. That's a really cool way to describe a full stop, isn't it? Mm. Wow. That's cool. And it, it yeah, I mean, it would, that would have been cool if it was the last line as well, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he wants to spell it out, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah. I like the last line. It takes it back to the previous stanza um, mm. and sort of concludes the poem in a nice fashion, ties up all the loose ends. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you find yourself relating to this poem, Alison, when you when you're writing something? Do you do you imagine because it's almost like a spirit animal, isn't it? Like mm. the whole fox thing. You know, I wish we had more foxes here. We do not. I think I've maybe seen one fox in my whole life. Um, oh, wow. And I love the idea of foxes um, mm. as a spirit animal. I feel like they're very graceful, but also very sly. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. sort of how your creativity is, isn't it? Um, yeah. Sneaky and slippery and hard to get a hold of. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I kind of like that idea of that being a spirit animal. Um, and I do, I find myself, um, you know, definitely relating to the piece just in regards to creativity and to writing um, because mm. writing is hard. Any creative thing you have to do alone is very mm -hmm. difficult because you have to be your own boss and manager and yeah. determine when you start and determine how long you work and if you're ever going to finish it, you know, I mean, those are all <laughs> yeah. things you have to do. No one's going to sit there and, you know, no one's actually timing you. No one's letting you yeah. clock in and out. That's all up to you. And uh, that's hard. Mm. I'm timing me, to be fair. Definitely. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're Dylan. And if you're Dylan and you're timing yourself, you know, that's yeah. different. <laughs> I think that's great. But my other, the other thing is, I was talking about nature earlier about comparing when you creative creativity, especially book writing, is always associated is always associated with nature and going and writing beneath a tree or whatever <laughs> it is. How is that? Um, that's how I see it. Um, how, is that how you that? picture poets? We all sit and write beneath trees. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm so sorry that that's your that's been your impression thus far. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been the fox, just kind of staring at them from afar um, until now, obviously. But um, <laughs> it's always been that's kind of what is associated with it. Um, and I was wondering how that translated because I think there's there's always been something about you know the idea of like going out in the country and writing like renting a, like a little cottage or something mm. and just you know freeing your mind writing you know coming up with ideas being inspired um, how does that translate when you're in like you're obviously in New York in like a big city lots going on do you hear yourself think is that or is that kind of a different style of creativity um, I think it's a different style. I can tell mm -hmm. you uh, the times in my life where I've thought, let me go away to work on something. Nothing mm -hmm. is done because there's so much pressure now you've put on yourself. Yeah. I've booked this trip. I've paid this amount of money to go here yeah. and write this thing. And so when you get there and the creativity just does not find you, there's a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, sometimes good work does not come from that. Um, I think yeah. if I perhaps lived in uh, a quiet area and, yeah. you know, my, my world was just a little bit more quiet, maybe I would find myself more inspired uh, by my surroundings in that way. Sure. But I am someone who kind of thrives in chaos. And so okay. I... I know myself enough to know that uh, my very short attention span allows me, you know, to fit in different windows and to be inspired by different things. And sometimes mm. 
the noise and the chaos um, is good and is inspiring and mm. kind of in its own right uh, allows you to see things differently. And even in yeah. my own home, I have two small people who need different things and want different things <laughs> at all times. I, I cannot stress that enough at all times. So, you know, it, it you, you find yourself being able to write under very different circumstances, I think. All right. Okay. That's really interesting. I kind of got that with um when I was in London and doing comedy is the whole hustle and the bustle and things of people being loud as well. And it's about being the loudest voice um, and trying to get through that. Mm. I think it's really interesting. Do you have anything else to add, Charles, I, before we get on to the next I was just going to say what I love. You were talking about the last stanza about the dark hole of the head. Um, It's obviously like the fox going into the hole, sticking his head into his hole, right? But then also it's the inspiration going into the poet's head to like, Ooh. and it's like... They're happening together. I, mm, I, only, I, like I only just noticed it while while we were talking. But um, yeah, and I love just the that sort of, like you say, like that thing you were saying, Alison, about um, creativity being elusive. Uh, it often happens at night for me as well. Like I find that, you know, 11 o'clock at night, I'm like, I've got a song idea. I'm sorry, my love. Mm. I'm going to go and play the guitar quietly downstairs. <laughs> you yeah. know, like um, sort of, I, 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 it really feels like the fox is such a nice... Uh, metaphor for creativity so yeah i agree it's really cool i love um i love also just before we finish up this poem mm. is the window starless still it's almost saying you know the inspiration still really isn't there but at least at least i've written something because that, mm. that's one thing as well is actually like you said when you go and spend money on going somewhere or doing something is actually the idea of getting anything done you know when it at least you've done something and it's something you can go back to later as well mm. mm-hmm. so uh Alison's brought a poem for us to uh, for us to analyze. Awesome. All right, I would like to preface this with I adore Mary Oliver. Now, if you okay. do not, that is okay. Um, but <laughs> I um, have this a line from this poem tattooed on my arm. I actually got it done earlier this year, and uh, this poem is entitled "Sometimes." It's from her. 2008 collection Redbird. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like me to read it to you? Yes. Okay. That this is a bit of a longer piece. Um, and so analyzing might be we kind of take the sections as a whole, but um, mm-hmm. I'm going to read it cool. to now. So this is Sometimes by Mary Oliver. One, something came up out of the dark. It wasn't anything I had ever seen before. It wasn't an animal or a flower, unless it was both. Something came up out of the water, a head the size of a cat, but muddy and without ears. I don't know what God is. I don't know what death is, but I believe they have between them some fervent and necessary arrangement. Two, sometimes melancholy leaves me breathless. Three, later I was in a field full of sunflowers. I was feeling the heat of midsummer. I was thinking of the sweet electric drowse of creation when it began to break. In the west, clouds gathered, thunderheads. In an hour, the sky was filled with them. In an hour, the sky was filled with the sweetness of rain and the blast of lightning, followed by the deep bells, bells of thunder. Water from the heavens, electricity from the source, both of them mad to create something, the lightning brighter than any flower, the thunder without a drowsy bone in its body. Four, 
instructions for living a life, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Five, two or three times in my life I discovered love. Each time it seemed to solve everything. Each time it solved a great many things, but not everything. Yet left me as grateful as if it had indeed and thoroughly solved everything. Six, God rest in my heart and fortify me. Take away my hunger for answers. Let the hours play upon my body like the hands of my beloved. Let the cat head appear again, the smallest of your mysteries. Some wild cousin of my own blood, probably. Some cousin of my own wild blood, probably. And the black dinner bowl of the pond. Seven. Death waits for me, I know it, around one corner or another. This doesn't amuse me, neither does it frighten me. After the rain, I went back into the field of sunflowers. It was cool and I was anything but drowsy. I walked slowly and listened to the crazy roots in the drenched earth, laughing and growing. It's got some really interesting aspects to it, hasn't it? I love the numbering to it. Mm. So which, out of interest, which bit did you get tattooed? So I have on my arm, it says a great many things, but not everything. I, I love like her, she, she really calls back to nature and almost to like um, divinity in nature. Like the, it, you know, the whole thing of, you know, water from the heavens, electricity from the source. Like there's something biblical about it. There's something sort of um, magical about it. Yeah, she has a really wonderful gift of being able being able to dissect nature, I think, in a way that makes mm. it tangible. Mm. So where where does the red bird uh title where does that fit into the poem or how does it relate to it? That's kind of what I'm trying to think. Is it just the sort of nature theme of it? Yeah, so all of her books are titled something from nature and it usually ties oh, okay. into one or two specific pieces. Um, this book does have a lot of poems about birds, um, and, okay. but they're all, all of them are titled something in regards to an animal or a plant. Four, instructions for living a life, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Mm. That I say, I would say is a pretty famous line. That'd make a great university hoodie, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> something came up out of the dark. It wasn't anything I had ever seen before. Reminds me of the Fox poem, this does. I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm. But this is kind of past tense, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought too, as I was reading it, about the cat in the beginning. Because it's, it, it's saying head the size of a cat. Like not not the size of a cat's head, but like the head is actually the size <laughs> of a cat. That's pretty scary, isn't it? What I love about um, poetry sometimes is it, is it can sort of create a picture of the unknowable and like the un like, like yeah. this thing we don't even by the end of the poem it's like you don't know what it um, is yeah it's just this creature this yeah and i love that i love that sort of mystery it's yeah i like the it wasn't an animal or a flower unless it was both kind mm. of makes me think of a pokemon if it was both <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, um, but i i kind of like how it goes to god and death because um you know, if you think of something scary, I guess that, that's the kind of things that come across your mind. And especially, you know, in the olden days when, you know, uh, if people thought it was like an act of God or something or, uh, you know, uh, trying to trying to justify this existence, maybe with the devil or some, some, something like that, you know, if it's a horrible thing. But I believe they have between them some fervent and necessary arrangement. 
No, I definitely love the idea of God or, you know, mm. an entity that controls mm. the universe that, you know, being in cahoots with the death, you know, essentially, yeah. and that there is between them an arrangement of some kind yeah. um, that, you know, we don't know or understand, but is still there nonetheless. I like the instructions for living a life. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. I feel like, um, I think that's what life's about, right? Is talking about your experiences, paying attention. Mm. And if you do do that, you haven't lived a life. It, it almost feels like a little bit active, like it's like an activist call to like pay yeah. attention, be astonished, tell about it, like tell of the good things that are happening in the world. And I like yeah. that that ties into the the last stanza um, in which she talks about death waiting for her and that mm. that doesn't amuse her or frighten her because... Mm. Um, it shouldn't be frightening. Mm. You know, she ties that back into yeah. the, the basically life is beautiful. There's so much to see and so much to experience. And the idea that it will end someday really shouldn't frighten you, but more so drive you to pursue, you know, immersing yourself in that beauty. Absolutely. There's, um, I've noticed yeah. a, a similarity between this and Emily Dickinson. Emily Dickinson actually mentions about death like this, death waits for me. I've heard that in in one of her poems before. Um, this idea, like a feminine view of death is always very delicate. Um, whereas, you know, men like to emphasize death with violence and that kind of, you know, kind of being the last thing really that, the la that pulls you down. I like the whole, that death is like, you know, um, I don't know, uh, waiting, you know, <laughs> patiently. <laughs> Um, go on, Charlie, I was going to say, say, it's like, it's sitting, it's sitting there with a cup of tea and a biscuit, just sort of yeah. like, Whenever yeah. you're ready, like um, yeah, I'll be, exactly. I'll be here. I always love in um, fantasy shows where death is personified as a is a person and is in fact dressed all in black and waiting for you. Um, mm. I, I like that idea of death more so as someone who will come for me at the end of my life and like gracefully take me to the next yeah. phase versus you know kind of flickering out in the way that men often refer to death as like yeah my last battle, my last honorable yeah. moment, you know, kind of thing. Mm. Or at least, yeah. you know, in, in poetry, uh, when we read a lot of, we read a lot of male poets and that is their, you know, kind of view on, on death through poetry. You know, as a person that does comedy, I always say that in, in when there's a situation that's obviously uh, extremely negative and you're grieving or whatever, I say comedy is always the best, you know, medicine. Um, mm. And that's for some people, you know, I can't, you can't, you, you can't say that for everyone. Um, some people don't like comedy of grief. That's, you just got to accept that. But I'm one of those people that do. I like, I like something lighthearted when, you know, everything's shit's going down basically. <laughs> and I like, um, I love the idea of, you know, death coming and saying, all right, mate, come on, pack your things. Let's go. You like this whole casual, lighthearted aspect of mm. it. But shouldn't it be casual, you know? I mean, yeah. in the way that, you know, how many babies are born in a year and how many people die, it's the circle of life, you know? Yeah. Both things in and of themselves are, are miracles that our lives are ending and hopefully we're going to a better place or that we're bringing yeah. life into the world and that is so exciting. But shouldn't it yeah. be on both ends a kind of casual acceptance and a casual kind of celebration of I lived a long time or I lived a beautiful life, even if it was short, I'm going on to the next place now and I'm coming into the world and isn't that beautiful? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love that. I really like that sort of view. That's beautiful ending to that. But I think that's, that's the one fear I have is that if life is too serious, 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, when people um, describe religion, different spiritual beliefs, it's always very, a lot of the times it's always very serious. And that kind of scares me in a way. And there's there's people that are not like that that are quite fun. Charlie's really fun uh, and casual. I love Thanks. it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's not about, you know, I don't know, just being too serious. I just, I, yeah, I I, I I don't like yeah. that. Well, thank you so much, Alison, for joining us. It's been so, so much fun having you. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like we, we can take our podcast a bit more seriously now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. And you should, because this is a wonderful idea. And I think oh, it's a really unnecessary thing within the poetry community uh, to have more fun with it, you know, to be able to poke fun at poetry and learn more about poetry and kind of dissect it a little bit more in a playful light. Um, so thank you guys for doing this and for having me. No thank problem. You. It's been a lot of it's fun. Been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.